0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable, freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my splendiferous uh, co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are we today,
1: Matt? Uh, uh my wings are not in yet. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I, I'll try really hard to be splendiferous, but mostly I'm just going to be here. Hopefully that'll work.
0: Well, I think it'll work just fine for me. Uh, So today we're going to be going through some more questions from everybody. Uh, Thank you very much for sending those in. Again, if you have questions for this or the other podcast or for the queue, make sure that you send them in. We do have several Discord channels dedicated to uh, this. Uh, Obviously, we have a patrons one for all of our lovely patrons out there. Uh, And as a way of saying thank you, we try to give you uh, reference, or I guess, top billing. When it comes to this stuff, you get preferential treatment. If you are a patron, obviously we are going to take your questions first, but that doesn't mean we ignore everybody else. If you have a, you can't support us there, but you still are a listener of the show and you want to send them in. We have a regular uh, Q and podcast questions channel. And if you don't want discord, uh, that's not your thing you can send them to us an email. It's podcast at blizzardwatch.com, uh, and we will take those questions as we get them. Uh, so we're going to start in. First question. Hello, all. Hope you are well with the stuff happening in the world. My question is about Shadows Rising. Anduin Wrynn. When Anduin is talking to the ranger in the bowels of the ship, something happens. A wisp of purple energy travels down his arm, uh, gathered to his arm, gather in his palm. It happened in a blink coming and going this event startled him and it sounded like he didn't know what happened but there was but they're not much of a clue to what happened other than the event of it happening what was it that happened what does it mean i'm just baffled what happened and what it can mean to anduin what is the lore council's thoughts on this this is from a night elf druid kuro um i mean it's basically him tapping into his shadow priest side which we know yeah. that anduin has he's always felt that sort of call of both sides and they've they've played at that a couple times i think this is the first time in the any literature we've had where we've actually seen him draw on it even unconsciously but there's hints of it even when we're talking going back to like the shattering uh if you read that when he's going through his priestly trainings when he's with the dwarves and and going through that there's already some groundwork for that (laughs) Um, but I think that's really all it is. I don't think it's anything too extravagant. I don't think it's any old guy corruption or anything along those lines. I really do think it's just him sort of reaching out unconsciously to the power of Shadow because he's so angry, because he's got that, that sort of emotion attachment to it, because the light, remember, isn't exactly all about anger and vengeance or, you know, pain. It's basically the opposite of it, whereas Shadow tends to be all about that. If you look at even, like, in-game, the Shadow Priest abilities, Shadow Word Pain, like, it's right there in the name. So, anything to add to that? or
1: No, I was going to be what I said. I thought it was pretty much him touching the Void. Uh, he's been hanging around with Elyria a bit, and he's, you know, and going through a lot of stress so yeah I definitely think it's it's just him doing the void and we might see some more
0: of that in the future we don't know with the events that are happening in the Shadowlands and everything that happens after that point we don't know the traumas that he will have experienced or, or anything else there so we might see more of Shadow Priest Anduin in the future only time will tell but don't don't be too surprised by it if it comes up again uh, our next question comes from Godzilla. Question for Lore Watch. Up from the depths more than 40 stories high, it is I, Godzilla. And no, we don't acknowledge Godzuki. Uh, I'm, I'm,
1: I, no, 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 stop. If you don't acknowledge Godzuki, I am not answering your question. We're done here.
0: <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt is feeling very strong about that, but I acknowledge Godzuki.
1: was the favorite part of that whole thing. <laughs>
0: Kai- Kaiju babies, man, come on, they're they're great. Well,
1: plus plus, I mean, quite honestly, if you've ever seen the filmation Godzilla cartoon, it it's really weird. Yeah,
0: it's super weird. It's,
1: okay, I, that's enough. We, this is not a show about that, but I just had I I can't let this stand. This blatant calumny thrown on poor Gadzuki. Gadzuki did a yeoman's work on that cartoon, and he deserves <laughs> to be acknowledged. <laughs> and, don't,
0: and don't forget, Godzuki is not the same as the child from the actual Toa movies. Oh, no, no, no a Big difference
1: different. there. They're, they're,
0: they're. All right. I have emerged from my slumber with lore questions for you, and I think this is kind of an important one. I've had a hard time trying to figure out what Blizz has been trying to do with Thrall over the last couple of years. On one hand, I feel retirement is probably good for him, but at the same time, it's clear that he doesn't really want to lead the orcs. Now he's in Shadowlands. He promised Tyrande in Shadows Rising, he'd bring her Sylvanas' head, and we we have now Draka as a baron over in Maldraxxus. Logic would dictate he would be sent over there to meet his mom at some point to help the Necrolord Covenant, but then what? What would you guys like to see from Thrall in the Shadowlands? As a shaman main, I think it's high time Thrall get his elemental mojo back, and I would like to see some more of him and Greya from the, the Magar, interacting, but what about you guys? What would you like to see from the son of Durotan in Shadowlands? I'll let you go first.
1: Um, I don't think, I, I'd like to see Thrall get to step back a bit. I don't, I mean, I don't know. On the one hand, I'm, I'm just going to be up front here. The fact that Thrall's around means that Chris Metzen is around in some capacity. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Thrall's got speaking lines, that means that Chris Metzen recorded them. And that means that Chris Metzen's still around in some capacity, and that just warms my heart. I, I That makes me happy. I like that he's around. So Same. I don't want him to go away entirely. But <clears throat> I feel like Thrall is one of those characters that when he is around, he he there is a danger that he is... The guy's named Goel for a reason. He's sort of the, the Horde <laughs> Superman. It's very hard to have solid Horde alliance conflict With Thrall there, and that's one of the reasons they got rid of him in the first place. They they retired him, moved him out of the way, so they could do this storyline. Because if Thrall's in there in a position of leadership in the Horde, you don't get the big Alliance-Horde fight that we just had. Now, quite frankly, maybe we could use less of Horde Alliance fights, so maybe it's good that Thrall's back. But I definitely want. I I think being on the council is the most I want to see out of him. Uh, I don't want him to be taking a major leadership role. So, honestly, maybe going off and having adventures with his mom's ghost is a good use for him. Because then you don't have to see him. I am curious as to why Durotan doesn't show up. If Draka is like this war, cat, war leader of the, you know, it's kind of... I was just talking about this. Um, I was just on a recording another podcast. Uh, Joe was going to be on it next week. So, girl's going, wow. Uh, if, if you guys don't know it, I was just recording it. And one of the points I made, and I think other people have made this point, maybe it's even made in this letter, and I might maybe that's where I'm getting it from. But there's no planes of eternal reward of yeah, the place that you go in your chatteling. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I was thinking about that in terms of the whole thing with Thrall and what he's doing there and the concept of There's no like Your identity gets stripped away from you in almost every single one of these planes. Bastion, they take your memory. They make you give up your memory. In Revendreth, they try to purge you of your sins. And who are you if you're not the things you've done? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's that's a huge story point about most of the realms in the Shadowlands that we go to.
1: And it's something I'm thinking about in terms of, like, Thrall has had a really hard time defining himself. For the past, you know, several expansions. He's had a hard time defining himself, time time, figuring out who he is. He's not the warchief anymore. He doesn't want to be. But he's not a shaman anymore either. He lost that. He, he angered the elements and they refused to speak to him. I think the reason he hasn't gotten it back has to tie into what he's, he's like. What is it he's not facing? There's... Mm-hmm. I hope that Shadowlands Thrall will face that he did wrong when he killed Garrosh. Not that Garrosh necessarily should have lived, but the way Thrall killed him, the reason Thrall killed him, what he said when he killed him, and what how he made it happen were wrong. He He didn't ask the elements, he took. He I was acting like a dark shaman there and that's what broke his connection the elements refused to listen to him now because he did that thing he compelled them and that's a you know and plus the way he just there's a ton of stuff like i'd like to see him and garage have a meeting i'd like to see garage get to say you know now that you've killed me you can't do it again so now you're going to listen when i tell you that it was your fault That this was your fault you put me in this position but i mean so that would be what i'd like to see that's so i'll now leave it up to joe
0: no, I, I and along that same line, one of the things that I've I've always found I don't want to say interesting, but always to me it was fascinating that they sort of left it open-ended. Like he his story never finished, right? Thrall picked up, went and had kids, and started a farm. That's it. He never dealt with anything. He never dealt with what he did to Garrosh. He never dealt with what he did with the Horde. He never dealt with what he did to the Alliance because his actions with Garrosh directly led to a lot of things that happened to the Alliance. Like these are Thrall's actions that brought these about, right? He never dealt with any of that. And one of the things I think that that has been hounding his character is he's never had a chance to deal with it, confront it, and heal and I think that's part of why he lost his shamanism because one of the things that has always been centered to all of the stories of shamanism in the game all of the things you interact with all the quests all the shaman specific content is that you have to be in balance you have to be okay because if you are not okay you cannot perform shamanistic rites the elements will not deal with you. The elements will not broker any sort of exchange with you when you are in this place of of unbalance. Because then what winds up happening is you start getting things like Dark Shaman, where if an element can't give you something and you're in a place of hurt, next thing you know, you're demanding it. Next thing you know, you're enslaving them to your will to get it. And so cutting them off from Thrall, who is very flawed, very hurt, and especially at that moment, right? Like when he kills Garrosh, it's not just him performing that act, right? It's all of that pain, all of that, that realization that this is the hell that I wrought comes over Thrall. And it sort of strips his balance, his his humor from him. It strips part of his identity because that's not who he is. Instead of dealing with it, instead of accepting his problem, instead of confronting it, He murdered it. And then he has to deal with everything else. So what I want to see from Thrall in the Shadowlands is I want to see him start to deal with that. I want a confrontation with Garrosh. I want him to have a heart-to-heart with his mother about everything that's happened. Uh, I want him to start to heal. And the reason I want that is not because I want him to come back as a leader of the Horde, but I think as a symbol of the Orcs, he is very much part and parcel with the soul of that race on Azeroth. Not necessarily any of the ones that come from off-world anymore, or from the alternate realities, but the ones that are born and raised on Azeroth, that are born in this conflict. And there have been several generations at this point that have sprung up over the course of however many years, 14, 15, 16 years in the game. I'd like to see him be in a position where he can become essentially the new, you know, spiritual advisor, where he heals to a point where he understands things. Uh, I mean, what was it? Drek Thar was was so much that for his father and for Thrall for a number of years he's not around anymore. Not really. Like, the last time we saw him was in the uh, Shaman Hall, and he was feeble and old and ready to be done. It's time for Thrall to maybe take up that mantle, but he can't do that until he heals. And this allows him to... Be around and still have influence without being the main focus. And he can still go do other things. He can go on, you know, spiritual adventures with his mother. They could go looking for his father. Uh, They could, you know, he could teach his kids how to be heroes or whatever the case is. Uh, He could maybe have a quiet life in between, but he doesn't have to be necessarily the leader of the horde. He doesn't have to necessarily be the centerpiece, but he could be in that position where he's responsible enough to go. Okay, this is wrong, and I need to make sure that they understand that it's wrong, and be that voice that that sort of conscious that honestly the horde has lacked for a long time. And I say this as a horde player, we haven't had a a conscious, uh, like a conscience. We haven't had somebody sitting there saying what you're doing is wrong. Like we've just been going from point to point to point, and the one chance we had at having that with Zul'jin as, like, a war chief position, he died. Then Sylvanas took over, and then, uh, you know, I'm making a waving hand gesture at most of the battle for Azeroth. I think that that could be good. And, yes, we can still have conflicts and things like that, but that's that's what I want to see. I want to see Thrall heal and then, in a way, come back as that conscious to the Horde.
1: So, uh, anything else to add to that one, my friend? No, I think that's pretty good. I think we both basically agree that Thrall needs to get some actual closure. Yeah. And I think... That's basically what we're saying.
0: Yeah, and it'll only do... It will only strengthen the other characters, right? It'll only strengthen the story. So...
1: This is the top result.
0: That was my, apparently, Siri, deciding that she was going to react to that, of all things. Yeah, it's... You
1: you have to be careful when you say anything (laughs) with, like, a sir... You know, just boom... (laughs) That's my name. No, no. I was saying something else. No, it's my name. I heard it. I heard my name.
0: Uh, All right. Our next question comes from Braylin. A question for Lorewatch. Hi, Watchers. Longtime patron Braylin here. Since Legion, while I still miss Varian terribly, his death opened up so much character potential for so many other characters. The trade-off was worth it. My question, then, is a simple one. Which characters do you see as plot blockers? who you feel would most serve WoW's development with their deaths. I'll let you go first.
1: Ah, uh, thanks. I'll let you go first into this landmine of a question, Matt. No, go ahead, go on in. Let's see if you get exploded. Uh, yikes. Um, I, I don't really see characters that way. If a character's dead, their story's done, and the effects they have on the story are only in through their absence. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I have a hard time with the idea that that it's better to kill a character and and see the effect they had than to have that character themselves. Uh, like for instance, I'm actually really sad. Anduin Lothar's dead, and yeah. he's been dead since Warcraft Two. Uh, it's not like. It's not like you know, they just killed him and I'm still not dealing with it. I, I think it's, it's just been long enough. It's been long enough that Anduin Lothar has been dead longer than he was alive, but I, I still sometimes wish he was around to have reactions to the story that's going on. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm glad T-Turalian and Ilaria came back. Uh, we get to have the old school characters reacting, especially with Turalyon. Turalyon is fascinating because he reacts to stuff like it's still Warcraft 2.
0: Because for and him if, it really is. <laughs>
1: Kind of, but he's been around, he's been in war for a thousand years. So if anything, he comes back to an Azeroth that he would expect to be wholly changed because a thousand years has passed. But not just for him. For Azeroth, it's been like 20, 30 years. So it's like, you gotta think that's gonna be really strange. But at least, you know, he is a, he is a character that represents a different style of gameplay, a different world. And I like that. I like that he's there to, to to have the impact as a character. Dead means their stories are done. I mean, although since we're going to Shadowlands again, we're gonna see people like like Draka and Alexander like Zanik like Mograin, so we are gonna see characters' stories continue even though they're dead. But I just I have a really hard time like saying, oh yeah, we'd be better off with that character dead. I mean, would would there be a ton of new stories opened up if Thrall died? Absolutely. Does that mean we're better off with Thrall dead? No, I, I, I think,
0: not- I think the real thing that uh, you got to take away from this question isn't necessarily what what would serve better if the character was dead. It's that are any characters that are currently alive blocking any specific thing? Like I, I and I think that with Varian, I think the point that Braylon's trying to make is while he was alive and returned back to the Alliance how many stories revolved or involved him specifically right yeah, like, I
1: mean, let me put it this way i said earlier that you can't have certain kinds of horde alliance conflict with thrall around and i think that that's a fair point but you don't have to kill for to get him out of the way so you can tell those stories um if you think there's a character who's blocking a story from happening as a as a writer you can move the character in such a way that they're not able to interfere with the story you want to tell. You don't have to kill them for that. I honestly felt like they could have just as easily had Varian just simply retire. Like you could have, you know, come. You could have had him come back from the Broken Shore, like you know, like in a cast, like so messed up that he's barely alive, and have him say to to Into it, I can't do it anymore. This is on you now. I've I've done. I've given everything, and here I am. But his death worked as a moment too. Uh, I think it—it it was a. I felt less aggrieved. I, I felt really sad that he, that Varian was dead, and that his death was very, but like, very powerful. But I didn't necessarily mind it the way I minded Vol'jin's death. Because Vol'jin, I felt like there's a guy whose story was not done. Yeah, and and it felt. I still feel that way. Like, even now that we know we're going to see more of him and it's going to be involved in stuff, it felt like Vol'jin got the short end there. Whereas Varian at least, it felt like Varian had earned a heroic death and he got to have it. You know? Like, I could actually imagine Sorfang being like, you know, pleased for it. Like, yeah, that's that's how a warrior should go. You know, in, in the teeth of the fight, you know, against impossible odds, he destroyed that, that robot and saved his people. That's, that's how you go. Um, I can't think of any characters in the game right now that I think removing them in that way would just make more story possibilities happen. Let me put it that way. I just, I do not see it. When I look at a character, I see story potential, not, well, you're preventing stories from happening. No, I don't see that. That's not how I look at them. So it's a very hard question for me to answer because I just, like even Sylvanas, I don't want Sylvanas dead. I, I, I want to see more after Shadowlands with her yeah um, and that means like dealing with what she's done and why she did it. Uh, that's just me and And
0: it's a difficult question to answer because I don't I actually don't think any character that we really have blocks the plot, not currently. Everything that we have going on right now, the plot is moving forward. I think. The closest we got to that was really Sylvanas in Battle for Azeroth, but even that rode that line, I think, really well. Um, and it's a hard question for us to answer, at least in my perspective, because of what Matt just said. It's really hard to wish for the death of a character because what does that death serve? And a lot of times in Warcraft, in particular, the deaths serve nothing. Or if they don't, if they do serve anything, it's a punctuation point before we feel that their stories are done. Uh, like you said, Vol'jin is a really great example of that. We didn't get a lot from him as his role in war chief, something that we all expected that he was being groomed for or built for, for forever. Uh, especially if you're a horror player, you saw all the signs in all the quest scenes, interactions and everything that happened. Uh, he basically was doing what Rokan's doing now he was stepping up being that person that was making sure things were going smoothly uh, making sure that the Wartese will was was, I don't want to say done but done in such a manner that it was when he could directly affect it not an absolute terrible thing and when he died it was a punctuation point but that's all it served and yes we get more of his story now uh, and we're going to get more of it in Shadowlands, though. We haven't seen any of it yet. At least I haven't, and I think, you, despite all the time that you've had in the beta, I don't think you've seen it either, but I don't think it's in-game yet. I think there will be stuff, uh, but we don't know what it is yet. We don't know what the scope of it is. Uh, the on- I mean, the stuff that's going on with Tyrande, those are major points, but they're not the only point. It's not blocking other story from developing. Uh, as a matter of a fact, like it's... When you and this is not really a big spoiler thing, and I, I apologize if, if you anybody out there thinks it is, but when you start doing the Shadowlands stuff, when you start doing your Maw experience, one of the things is noting that you have to find Taron because you don't know where she is. And that's something that they've they talked about a lot. It's it's you find pretty much everybody but her. You have no idea where she is, you have no idea what's going on. So Just like the end of Battle for Azeroth, she's important to the story, but she's not there. It's not all wrapped up around her. That's not the only important thing that is going on. And I don't think any character, aside from the player character, is really that central right now to what's going on. Everybody else feels like they have their own things going on. The world is still developing. The characters are still involved in various other stories, whether it's in the zones or uh, back home. So I don't, I don't know that anybody really is a lore block uh, or a story block or a plot block of any type. I think they've actually hit a pretty good balance point with almost everybody where I don't think it's really that big of a problem now. Uh, it definitely used to be. I, I mean, back during the days of when we used to affectionately refer to a thrall in an epitaph that I will not repeat. Uh, there was a reason for that because everything revolved around him. Everything. He was the central point so but i think they've gotten so much better at it i don't think it's a problem anymore
1: um, yeah and, and again i i, I don't want to like hype on this i don't want to keep emphasizing it but again when you kill a character unless you do the revolving door of death thing uh when you kill a character that's it for their stories you can't tell any more stories about a dead person uh, again shadowlands is one of the few times you get an exception on that but that's kind of the genius of Shadowheads is that it is a place where you can, you know, Kael'thas can show up, but he's still dead. You didn't undead him. He's still dead. He just happened to be in the lands of the dead. So mm-hmm. it's much like much like the part of the uh, Odyssey where Odysseus goes down and talks to the spirits of the dead. You get to have an Achilles appearance, even though Achilles is quite dead, but you happen to be in the land of the dead. So that's fine. I think there's a certain amount of, of poetry in that.
0: Yeah, and we don't know how that's all going to shake out, too, because now we have an opportunity to talk with long dead uh, NPCs, if it really comes up to it, or if it serves the the story we could talk to, you know, as Matt pointed out, you know, he's mad that Anduin Lothar is dead. There's a possibility that we could find Anduin Lothar somewhere in the Shadowlands. We don't know. What realms are out there besides the ones that we've seen so far? There could be more. There could be other ones that we can open gateways to. One of the the things in the scenes of, like, it's the Ring of Transference in Oribos. There's a million doorways, and they you literally call them down when you go to your zones. Like, you call this doorway down. It's not always there. But when you look up in the sky, there's a ton of them. There is a potential for an infinite number of realms up to the imagination of the developers so we could talk to anybody. The story could go anyway. And it's... I say this with the utmost excitement. It's one of those few times where it's sort of just full of potential and possibility. And I feel like a kid on Christmas where I, I can see threads where they can go a million different directions. And I don't know where they're going to go. Which I think also contributes to the part that I feel like no one really feels like a plot block. Because really there's a million roads to travel. And I don't think they're going to be blocking anything. So Uh, we have another question from Braylon as well. Uh, The area of speaking of areas of Shadowlands, the area of Shadowlands we visit seem like realms where souls are recruited into service. But there is no realm of eternal reward. No heaven or Valhalla, if you will. But while rereading Before the Storm and Shadows Rising, both Will Benton and Zakan visualize a peaceful afterlife. Is that just the wishful thinking of us poor Azerothian mortals, or is there evidence somewhere that such a realm actually exists in either the Shadowlands or elsewhere?
1: In terms of evidence, I mean, we haven't really even scratched the surface of the Shadowlands yet. I will point out, though, that Valhalla is interesting because it is not a heaven. Mm-hmm. Valhalla was the mead hall where Odin took the most successful. We've got Valhalla already. We've actually got that's the Halls of Valor. That's that's a Valhalla. That's what it is. That's the, the Halls of Valor, the Valor Hall, Valhalla. That's that is that's what the warrior like you know, order hall and legion is. It's Valhalla. Um where Odin took the most, you know, the most noble, most worthy warriors and they served him, you know, in there, feasting and meeting, and all that stuff. that's all right there. So we've got one of those. Um, and for that matter, Bastion kind of follows that model, although it costs you. <clears throat> you get to be internally of service to others, and you lose everything that made you who you are. You lose your memories, you lose your life. The person that you were is no longer there. Um, and some people obviously rebel against it, that's the whole story of Bastion. But that's, that's what Bastion kind of is. So it's kind of like that as well. In terms of like a true, honest, you know, Elysian Fields, Paradise, Heaven type place, I s- don't see anything like that so far. In fact, it's actually interesting that of the various zones you go to, the Maw is obviously effectively a place of eternal banishment. That's, you go there and that's where you stay because you're just that evil. Or because you're getting sucked down there. That's... that's there, we don't really know yet why it is that when you disable the Arbiter, suddenly everybody goes to the Maw, which implies that originally everybody went to the Maw, before, and maybe the Maw predates all the other zones, all the other Shadowlands, for lack of a better word. That's an implication. It's not stated. But that might mean at one point the Maw was where everyone went, and... Therefore, everybody experienced the same afterlife, and maybe the reason the Maw is as bad as it is now is, was purely a choice by the person who's currently in charge of it. Um, <clears throat> we don't know. Uh, I certainly do think it's interesting that of the planes, like in Revendreth, they peel away your sins, the, the things that you did that, that were... You're, if you're bad enough to go to Revendreth but not bad enough to go to the Maw, they the the things you did out of you and use that to gain anima. They literally peel your existence, your your actions, your choices away from you. I do that in Bastion as well. Um, Ardenweald sort of is sort of similar, actually, in that you go back, but it's not you that goes back. Like you're the 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 anima of your existence goes back, but you stay in the shadow, you stay in Ardenweald forever, unless you're like you know, obviously it's not the case for like the Wild Gods and so forth, who seem to go back more directly but that's interesting to think about in, in each case the anima is you it's your it's your memories it's your sins it's your choices it's your life and that's a, like you know Maldraxus i can't really say i have not actually done much in maldraxxas uh I, I know that there's various character, various uh figures from lore who are like like joe mentioned draka um alexandris mograine is there and i forget who the i think lady vosh Yep. Yeah, Lady Vash is there as well. So there's you know b- big lore characters who end up in Maldraxxus. I don't know if there's any point where they like lose anything or if they get sent back. I'm not sure how it works for Maldraxxus to be honest. But at least three of them, you you parts of you, are, they, a big part of you, your identity, your essential nature is peeled away from you. So it implies that the Shadowlands were going to have some role in separating the the self from the essence. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, the other other
0: thing, like going back to the, the, the root of the question of the realm of eternal rest or reward or whatever you want to call it, we don't know because we haven't seen all of the Shadowlands. One of the things that I picked up on when playing through the areas is that the... Everybody that resides in the areas that we go to, uh, Revendreth Maldraxis, Bastion, Ardenweld, even the Maw, anything you are capable of interacting with at some point has knowledge, and Ouroboros as well, has knowledge of an essentially what feels like an infinite number of realms. They don't say it specifically, but they say they don't give you like a number, like there's exactly 10,001 realms. It's more where they say like everything that's out there or all the realms that are out there especially if you're talking with like the uh I think they're called the custodians um but basically the the folks that operate as like the hands eyes and and mouth of the arbiter they talk about that as well, and they, they there's definitely the implication of it. And like I said, when you open up a pathway to one of these areas, you're calling down a door, you're calling down a gateway that opens up essentially what is like a slider's tunnel between Orbos and whatever zone you're going to. It even looks like it. It even has like a slipstream and, and has a visual effect that shows you traveling like these weird pathways to get there. And you look in the sky and you can see hundreds of these types of doors and that they just kind of go off into the distance and they sort of fade out of view. There could be a place of eternal reward. Like when we're talking about what Zikhan sees uh, when he, when he asks about, you know, what, where is he? What does he, what does he have? What's waiting for him? Essentially he sees that scenario where he, he, you know, Sarfang's in a place of eternal rest, eternal reward of happiness. And a lot of people are speculating that that was just Bwamsamdi being Bwamsamdi and lying to him. But the interesting thing that got to me about it is like looking back at Bwamsamdi, he doesn't lie. He tells half-truths, he'll omit things, but he hasn't outright lied to anybody in any of the interactions in the stories, in the game. He doesn't. He just might not tell you something. So if he shows Zakan that, there's a really good chance that that place actually exists. We so just might you, hold on a
1: sec. You just made me think of something. Oh. When Zakan is Zakan asking what happened to Sorfang, or is he saying what will we what will happen to me?
0: It's kind of implied. It's sort of both. Like what awaits.
1: See, the thing if you if you if Zakan is saying. What what am I looking forward to? What's my afterlife? He might be being shown something he'd want to see, not as a lie, but just you know, here's here's sure. what you were looking for. Here's here's how it would be, and the the sarfang he sees might be just something he would want to see. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, like he might be seeing his ideal fantasy of what eternal rest yeah. is.
1: It's not because you know he doesn't. He has no context. He has never seen it. He has no way of knowing what that's like. I'm not. I don't know. It's. It's. I. I, I your point about him not lying is valid, but it's striking me that we don't actually understand what he's being shown.
0: Ex- yeah, and that's the other. That's that's a point that I was going to make too. Is like the other side of that is we don't know the validity of what he's what's being shown because. We don't have a reference point. We don't have a way to fully understand the context. And that's sort of a big deal, right? Like, that's a thing to be aware of. That's a thing to know. Um, but it is also entirely possible that we will find a way to go to those places. Um, it also might be why we don't see Duratan so far. He, he He could be somewhere where he earned his eternal reward for what he did. And Draca may have felt she had unfinished business, and that's why we interact with her, which would sort of make sense with the way their characters played out. We might see those places. We might see these peaceful afterlives. Uh, you know, the Will Benton stuff, that's another really good point. Like when he describes what he's going to, what he sees, could that be the grace of the light? Could that be his reward for his life well lived? Could that be him going to that particular place? We don't know. We don't have a reference point yet, but if I had to put money on it, if I had to make a bet, if I had to throw something out there, I think that there are realms where souls can go to that are like Elysium, that are are like, you know, heaven, that are these realms of eternal rewards or, or peace for these characters who don't have an abundance of pride that needs to be stripped away because maybe it already was or don't have an abundance of sin because they lived good lives Uh, or have tamed the wildness in them. So they don't need to, to have that run out. Uh, They already have their lives filled with service because that's the other thing too. look at, look at the people that uh, we see presented in eternal reward format, right? Like Will Benton and, and you know, Sarfang, Sarfang's pride was stripped away. He realized everything he did was wrong. He tried to make it right. He was broken down. He was pulled down to his base self uh, until at the very end. like in and you can argue to what degree that was, but he had to come to a reckoning of what everything he did, right? And yeah, it was maybe definitely well, it was definitely not enough to make up for the things that he helped you know burn down and the lives that he helped destroy but it was something where that that sort of pride that sort of sin he was trying to make it right already and we don't know how that's judged because again arbiter being inactive we don't understand how that works yet but his life was full of service his life was was at that point I would argue probably free of the pride because well he gave his life for something bigger than himself Uh, to try to make things right. That sin may have been washed away and he wasn't a wild soul anymore. He doesn't fit in any of those four categories. He doesn't fit in any of those four realms. So maybe he finally, maybe he got to go somewhere where, you know, he got his reward where he didn't fit anywhere else. And that's why he was sent there. Because I, I think that's the other thing that I'm picking up on is the souls that go to these, other realms, when they go to Bastion, they go to Ardenwell, they go to Maldraxxus, they go to Revendreth, there's a very specific reason that they go there. There's a very specific reason that their soul is sent there. And who knows what makes that decision until we wake up the Arbiter and actually get an idea of how that works. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I got on that one. Anything else to add before we move on?
1: No, I'm good. Okay. Uh,
0: this one is from Bill. Hello, lore aficionados. I stopped playing just as Legion launched because I became a father and my children are now taking up what is or what was my game time. I love wild lore. I listen to the audiobooks in your podcast, but is there a good way to listen or watch videos about the in-game lore? Would you consider making a podcast series explaining the main story plots in-game? Thanks for the quality podcast and hope you're all doing well. Um, I don't know matt's feelings on it but i'm sure i'll find out in a second but if this is something that folks would really want to hear we could probably start doing a series every now and then of you know the warcraft history of in-game stuff from vanilla through the ages but it's it's a long journey it's 16 years at this point we could do it but i would I would want to make sure that it is something that everybody would want to do or everybody would want to hear. And if it's something that a lot of folks do want to hear, maybe we could work it in, especially on weeks where we may be light on questions for whatever reason. Um, I'd be perfectly willing to do that. There is also a possibility that we could talk to the powers that be and maybe it becomes an extra thing. Uh, But what do you think about something like that, Matt? Would you be willing to participate in that? Absolutely not, and I will oppose you to the death. <laughs> I thought as much. Curse uh, your... I
1: mean, we've, we've done this kind of thing before. I mean, it's what, you know, the original Know Your Lores were. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, certainly wouldn't be a problem. I would actually say if you're looking for that kind of thing, uh, you could go look at the Know Your Lores uh, on Blizzard Watch right now, uh, if you don't mind doing a little reading, and you could get a lot of that. But yeah, if... if If there were subjects people wanted explained in that way, I certainly am not opposed to either doing maybe a segment or doing a special podcast for it. But no, I I don't have any problem with that. I, I, you know, can't say we will do that, but I don't I don't have any opposition to that idea. No, absolutely not.
0: Yeah. And as far as like stuff that are out there that already exists, there are uh, some that do do stuff like that uh, sporadically. Um, I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but there are some that are out there. But if it is something you want us to do, let us know out there, folks. Uh, Not just Bill, but everybody else. If this is something you want to hear the Lore Watchers do, uh, let us know. We'll see what we can do about it. Uh, our next question, dear watchers, I was listening to episode 135 of the Lore Watch, and I had some thoughts and questions about the clockwork universe. It is clear that Norsdomu uh, and the whole universe is stuck in a time loop. In other words, everything that has ever happened and will happen has already happened, including Murazond and the infinite dragonflight trying to break the cycle. What we perceive as us making choice isn't actually a choice at all. Uh, would the way to actually change something in the cycle be to somehow find a being that isn't part of the cycle, for example, one that transcends realities, or find a moment in time where you can maybe change a slight thing, a moment that has never happened before and isn't part of the cycle? What beings can you think of that could achieve such a thing, and what moment in time do you think was the start point and started all of it? As for me, I somehow get the feeling that the Void and maybe uh, the Lotus would have to be somehow involved. Uh, I'm wondering if it means Locus. Uh, I have no theories about what started it all, though. Thanks for the great show and all you do to keep me up with the lore, even though I've stopped playing. Have a great day. And this serves from Zabu, the undead priest of Twisty Nether. Um, what do you think? Clockwork Universe.
1: I don't by his argument uh it's not a time loop just because it's happening in fourth dimensional path from the perspective of the people going through the time travel it's a straight line they're not looping uh it's not repeating itself it's not happening over and over again it just happens once there's a through way you go from those to Murazond to death goes from beginning to end it's got a completely Logical and understandable chronology as long as you ignore the fact that they are moving through time. If you just look at the events as they happen in the life of Nosdarmu, there's a straight line. And that straight line goes from birth to becoming a t- to the Aspect, to you know his his uh, clash with the old gods that sent um, several people back in time to the original War of the Ancients, through to the present day. In fact, he's still on that path and he hasn't reached the end of it yet. He has not become Meruzon yet from the perspective of the you know him going through his time his personal timeline. Now, he may in fact have already turned into Meruzon. Maybe that's what he's doing right now. Maybe he is currently becoming Meruzon. That I can't answer you. But it's not a time loop. The way I know it's not a time loop is that There's two versions of the War of the Ancients. There's the War of the Ancients, as we originally happened, and then there's the War of the Ancients where uh, a red dragon, an orc, and a wizard travel back in time and change the War of the Ancients. And I know they did it because in Legion, we see them. We go back, we watch the war as it was happening, and Ronin... And Kairos and Brox are there in the past our past we see that they happened we see that Illidan remembers them the timeline as the world that we're in right now is a separate alternate timeline from the one we started in and it has been since before World of Warcraft started between Warcraft 3 and World of Warcraft that time discrepancy happened that that time warp They were sent back, then they came back to this time, and they had altered the past. That's how we know it's not a time loop, because Nosdormu did that. It happened in Nosdormu's life. It's not looping. He's not going back over and over again to the same start point. He has one through way, and and it ends just like everybody else's life. It just ends in our future. The difference between him and everybody else is that he knows how his life is going to end. That's not a time loop. It's not that he's repeating the same events over and over again. And because, therefore, I don't think it's a time loop. I don't believe there's any. In order to the clockwork of the universe isn't a time loop that we're going through. It's just the structure of the universe. Now, do the old gods want to break the structure of the universe? Absolutely, they do. That's that's what they're all about. They absolutely want to break the structure. They want to like, you know, prevent order from occurring. They want all possibilities to exist and therefore that one thing that the light believes is the one true outcome. That's not for them. They want chaos. They want everything can be true. You know, like uh, nothing is forbidden. Yeah, everything is true. Nothing is forbidden. That thing. They want that kind of thing. They want all the possible options to be on the table. So, yeah, they come from outside. Yeah, they want to mess everything up. But I don't believe there is a time loop here. So the, the, the rest of your question isn't something I can really deal with.
0: The other thing to really note about that is there are certain other things that are canonical in the game that sort of defy the idea of a time loop, one of them being Karazhan. Uh Specifically, Carazon is a point that war- travels backwards through time. It is not on a loop. If it was on a loop, uh, the things that happened with Medivh would be uh, wildly different. Uh, because at that point, Medivh having knowledge, uh, beyond his years, beyond his mortal frame would have had more of an idea of how, if it was stuck in a loop, that it was a cycle, uh, more than what he's already said and what we've interacted with him and what we know about his, his place of residence. Um, It also would be something that I think certain other creatures and entities in the universe would be cognizant of to a certain degree. Certainly the Titans would be as well. Um, A lot of the things the Titans do are not really something that if they had knowledge of it, which one would assume uh, empowered beings by the Titans, if they have knowledge that it's a a loop, chances are good that the Titans would have that knowledge as well, uh, that it's not something that they would do. They wouldn't worry about planets dying because of time's a loop. They'll just come back. It'll be fine. And they could try to alter small things, Um, but they don't. They want to keep things moving smoothly. They want to have the universe working in its mechanical form. And I think that's what it is more than anything else.
1: Yeah. I think if you want to look at the concept of time loop versus just simply having knowledge of like time travel, uh, there's a star star, Trek episode um, Star Trek uh, the next generation episode where they get into a time loop and uh, there's groundhog Day. yeah groundhog day is pretty much your is a, is a completely bog standard time loop he's living the same period of time over and over again if was, on, yeah yeah you know no, dormmo I've come to bargain uh, if there was living a time loop then he would always get to the moment of his death and then he'd go back to the beginning with you know awareness of what had just happened to him and, what, you know, he would therefore know what he had done, and he would make different choices, and it wouldn't matter, and he'd time loop again. Nozdormu shows no sign of this. Dormu does not seem to believe he's living in a time loop. He does not react like, oh, yes, this is happening again. He mm-hmm. reacts like, I've seen this. This is something I've foreseen. My knowledge of the future is such that I'm aware of this. But he doesn't act like, oh, this again. I mean, he hasn't lived through these events more than once. I think that's important. Uh, this is not a time loop, and therefore, there's that's not the way to change things. The, the the things you don't have to break us out of a time loop because there isn't a time loop. It just does not seem to be what they've been going for. I mean, you know, maybe they'll they'll, they'll hear this someone at Blizzard will be listening, go a time loop, and then they'll you know do it. I don't know. I mean, usually they don't it doesn't work that way, but you know, who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, I didn't... I,
0: also, I'll just say, Steve, please don't do a time loop. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I just I don't think that's where it's going. So,
0: yeah, I, and and we could be wrong, but it's all, all the indicators in the game. All the indicators in the story don't really lend to it, but we'll find out in the future because we are going to be dealing with some wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. It's just sort of the nature of the beast. Uh, I think we have time for one more question, possibly two. We only have two left. Uh, hello, friends. Quick question. Why wasn't the Void or the Olgods helping us fight the Burning Legion? I mean, outside of Zalatath, was any of them trying to help us win that fight? You'd think they would have a stake in that conflict. No. Thanks for all you do, Uthos. Aspect of Lore podcast. Uh, No, they don't care. They don't care. They they didn't see the Burning Legion as a threat at all. They flat out say that at several points.
1: The Legion has destroyed countless worlds. Mm -hmm. Countless ones. We don't know how many they've destroyed. They, we they were invading like six of the worlds when we got to argus. They do it all the time. And the old gods have never felt particularly put out by it or moved by it. They don't care. The, the there's one there's one dungeon in uh Burning Crusade, Architraz, where where the uh yeah. I want to say the Harbinger Skyris? Harbinger. Yep, Harbinger Skyris or Skyris or whatever. You know, he, he basically says we span the universe as countless as the stars and no force you know not even the mighty legion has the power to bend us to make us bend our knee. They don't care mm-hmm. they don't they, they respect the legion as a force of destruction but that's fine by them. Go ahead and destroy everything. that's one of the possibilities we believe exists and in the end it'll just bring the void closer. So, from their perspective, everything Sargeras is doing, everything the Legion is doing, is not just pointless, it's actually beneficial to them. They'll get what they want. When the universe is destroyed and there's no possibility of any resistance, then the Void will just swallow it all whole. Mm-hmm. They, they're they not put out. So, go ahead. Why would they help us? It, it doesn't benefit them in any way. Yeah, it, did, it
0: didn't matter to them who won, right? Because they had... They see all possibilities. They see everything that could possibly happen if you want to be- go go that route with it. So if you think that they didn't plan for us losing to the Legion, you'd be wrong. They had a plan in place where they knew how they would they would react. They knew what would happen. And like Matt said, it would fit neatly into their plans because that's what they do. Just like we won. So what did they do? Ny'lotha happened. That whole thing happened. An entire expansion worth of manipulation happened. So like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who won. And that's to them. Why bother getting involved when you can just sit back and let everything happen and then just do what you're going to do anyway, because that's exactly what they did.
1: There's that old thing about how, you know, let's you and him fight. You you know, the Legion fights us. Whoever wins that fight just came out of a fight with like a, a force strong enough to stop it. Um, so they're weakened and then they can, the, the old gods and their minions can move in and, and mop up the resistance. It's, it's classic logic. It's not, the enemy of my enemy is my enemy's enemy, but you go ahead and you fight, you two fight and I'll take the winner. You know, the, that means that the winner, I'm fresh, you guys had to fight. So whoever wins that fight, you were just in a fight and now I get to fight you. I'm fresh and you were just in a fight. That's kind of how they're looking at this. It doesn't matter to them who the winner is as long as everybody ends up losing.
0: And another thing to really consider, too, is at uh, if we take the point that all they want is a void Titan from the very beginning, like that's the belief. That's why they wanted to infect Azeroth. Sargeras is a Titan that has shown that he is capable of being corrupted. It uh, just happens to be fell right now. So let him come to Azeroth, let him cradle Azeroth, let him sup on the power of Azeroth and that power is subtly corrupted or that, po- that that power is in such a manner that even he can't understand where they can worm their way into his dreams, his thoughts. I mean, do you think that had Sargeras won that Ny'alotha wouldn't have happened for him? That... That Nazoth wouldn't have found a way into his brain space. We know for a fact Titans can be altered. Look at Agamar in, you know, and look at the, the souls of the Titans as they're being tortured and reprogrammed. They can be altered. They can have their perspectives shifted. And who's really good at shifting perspectives? Who's really good at altering minds? The Void and the Old Gods, that's sort of their bag. That's what they do. Uh, we've seen it through countless NPCs. We've seen it even with us. The very first encounter in Nihilatha is us murdering Rathion because he's gone crazy. And even Rathion has a hard time reconciling it because in his brain space, that perspective was 100% him, right? Like it's, they're really good at that. And if you think Sargeras was immune to that, sorry, wrong. They would, they, they absolutely would have found a way to worm in, into his way, into his brain, into something like that. So, That's why they didn't help us, because they didn't care. And I think we'll do our last one, and this one comes from our friend Drew Miller. Greetings, watchers. Do you think that the Jailer could turn out to be Argus, or an aspect of Argus, or that we'll even see him in Shadowlands? He was labeled the Titan of Death. His encounter was laden with death-themed abilities and dialogue, and on this side of the Shadowlands, he was a one-Titan reincarnation shop for demons, which seriously parallels what seems to be going on in Ardenwild. Thanks.
1: Well, he was called the Titan of Death in the files, but he wasn't actually called the Titan of Death in the game. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um, it's Actually, I, I did some research on Argus before this show, obviously, because you know I knew we were going to be talking about him. And uh, one of the interesting things is originally they'd intended him not to necessarily be the end boss so much as kind of like the last wing was going to be like a chained up Argus whose body we went and had encounters on. Kind of like Deathwing, but even bigger. Uh, and they didn't go that route, obviously. And we got what we got, which I think is actually a better route. You don't want to keep doing the thing where you climb around inside of a giant monster's body. But the, the thing about him is he wasn't so much the Titan of Death as he was like the Unmaker. He was completely and totally broken. He was unmade, and he unmade things himself. I, I don't think... For one thing, the Jailer and the, and the Arbiter have been doing what they've been doing for countless years... And the Jailer has a personality when we meet him. He says things. He doesn't... Argus didn't speak at all except to scream. Like He was just... He was like, Argus was suffering. Argus has been tormented internally by the Legion. The Jailer does not come off as somebody who's been that way. And that's even ignoring the fact that the Jailer and the Arbiter have been doing this kind of stuff for literal centuries. Thousands, maybe tens of... We, we don't have no idea how long they've been at it. Uh, Argus literally just died. So I don't think it's likely. I mean, there's ways you could make it work. You could say that, you know, at the moment of his death, Ar- Argus's essence was hurled back through time and space and whatever. As the Shadowlands, time acts differently there. And so he arrived at the beginning and created the Shadowlands. If that's where you want to go with it, you could do that. But I don't think that's where they're going. I do not think the Jailer is Argus. I do not know if Argus is even going to show up. I don't think he is. Um, it seems pretty clear that Titans don't go to the Shadowlands when they die.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we've seen the Titans die, and because one of them decided to cast a spell, he ended up going. Their their souls ended up going and fragmenting inside their own creations. Uh, I don't think that we're gonna see Argus in the Shadowlands, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe we will. It could happen.
0: And that's the thing. Like this is the thing that happened with Argus is something that isn't supposed to technically be possible. Uh, Titans aren't technically supposed to be able to die like that. And we've sort of seen that to a certain uh, extent with what we saw with the Titans already. Uh, it's they don't really die. Their souls just kind of still exist. And maybe they form into new bodies, which they kind of did in front of us. Uh, but however that process works, they don't go to the Shadowlands where Argus, what happened with him and what we did with him, We don't know. We don't know the aftermath of that. We don't know what happened.
1: There's one thing to point out, too. Uh, The the other Titans use Argus's essence to capture Sargeras.
0: To a certain extent, yeah.
1: They, They straight up say, you know, we're using his power to do this. It's possible Argus isn't dead as we understand it. He could be the
0: could, chains that bind Sargeras.
1: Yeah, he literally is. He is involved in that process. That's how they got Sargeras there. They used the power of Argus to do it. It could be that he'll only be confined as long as Argus is still somewhat present in our reality. I honestly don't know. Like, I, I it's, it's interesting to think about. It's not like I'm opposed to seeing more of Argus. I really feel like it's kind of unfortunate that a world soul died, and it does kind of mean that I don't think we're ever going to like. Imagine what that would feel like for the to realize that your world's never coming back. You're never going to get it back. It's gone, and it's gone forever. It's dead now. The the soul of your world died. So that's, that's, that's a pretty tragic story, and I would like to see something more, maybe more just with the fallout of it or explaining what happens next or something. But I definitely don't think we're going to see Argus and Shadowlands.
0: Yeah, I think we might find out maybe a little bit more about that because when we're talking about the first ones, I'm sure there's going to be some Titan linkage there at some point, uh, which may give us some more direction to go with that. But right now, I agree with Matt. I don't think we're going to be seeing uh, Argus anytime soon. Uh, But that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. Uh, And again, if you have questions for the show, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com or one of our many uh, Discord channels dedicated to that. Uh, And with that, Thank you very much. We'll see you next week.